What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 13 of The Breakdown. I'm Joe Radonis, and with me as always... Ryan Turner. We have a very exciting episode for you guys today. We're going to give you some practical tips on pre-workout fueling and post-workout recovery. Who doesn't need that? Everybody. This is the perfect episode for everybody. (laughs) I had a lot of questions for Ryan And he is a wealth of knowledge, as I think you guys have learned. So we wanted to dive into this topic to share some things that he has shared with so many of us at Tone House and with myself about how to just make sure that you're optimizing your workouts and that you're taking the best care of yourself so you can perform high. You can make sure that you're doing the best things for your body. Um, these are great tips. We go into obviously some pre-workout food recommendations. We even get into the topic of supplements, um, and we do get into post-workout recovery. Um, and, uh, I think it's, I think it was an amazing episode, Ryan, uh, you know, you're right here in front of me and I I think you're, uh, quite a wise man. You know, a lot of science. There was a lot of, you use a lot of scientific words in here and I made Ryan dumb it down. Oh, we dumbed it down for the rest of us. <laughs> no, it was good. And I want to make sure this is an episode that, um, you know, within nutrition, we always say the answer to any question we get is usually it depends. And just with anybody listening, it will depend on how uh, any of these recommendations can fit into your training and your lifestyle. So please do not take any of these um, these recommendations uh, just straight um, out of here and think you can implement them right away. I want there to be some thought into how somebody uh, utilizes supplementation, how they utilize pre and post-workout nutrition. Everybody's different. So please do not think that this is um, you know straightforward medical advice, that this is going to be something that I'm presenting information and that it needs to be implemented the correct way reach out to um, a certified sports dietitian like myself. Um, Make sure you're having conversations with uh, your primary care physician as well. If you have any worries, any concerns about starting any type of supplementation first, but just make sure that you are thinking thoughtfully. Responsible use. Well, we'll get into it. So without further ado, here we go. Uh, We are going to talk about some practical tips today on pre-workout and post-workout fueling. I was excited when you you brought this up because how many times are you asked this question, right? Often. How many? Five accounting. Yeah, five times a day. Five times a day. That's an average. Yes. But people ask all the time, what do I eat before? What do I eat after? And sometimes people are surprised that the answer might be so simple. And you ready for the answer that you like to give that I start to give now? What's that? It depends. (laughs) (laughs) It does depend. It really does, right? Because people want this like, you know, we always talk about the silver bullet here in terms of longevity, right? What's that diet that's going to keep you alive forever? Well, there isn't one. And so <laughs> when when someone's asking, it's like, no, there's not going to be one thing across the board that's going to work for you. So it does depend. The same thing with pre-workout, post-workout, the type of workout you do, right? From the fitness side, Ooh. if someone says, I want to get fit, do you, you're like, oh, well, it, it, you just give them a, one answer? It's a, let's narrow it down. What does fit mean? <laughs> Hi, mean? my name's Joe. <laughs> 
<laughs> you gonna ask me about my day first? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. There's a lot of ways to slice this, right? Um, you have you've always given some really good advice around this. Some things that I've never really known about until the last year. So I thought it would be awesome to share those points of view with our listeners and and go into it. So why don't we just kind of dive in with pre-workout type of advice mm-hmm. um, to start and then we'll then we'll finish with with post-workout. Um, so we'll go down a nice you know timeline of how things would happen in real life. Sure. Yeah. So, so we're we're starting our day. It's the morning. Okay. Let's pretend that we're going to have a morning workout, right? Okay. Let's say that we wake up at around eight and we're going to do a workout at around 10. What would you say? And it's going to be, let's, let's go high intensity conditioning. That's, that's the workout that we're going to do. Do you have certain things that you would tell someone, uh, that they should do even the night before and that morning to help prepare for that workout? Sure. I love this person, first of all. And let's just make sure that we now categorize some of these people because for someone to be working out at 10 o'clock, it's surprising for me to hear that. This is me. It's me. Yeah. I'm this person. (laughs) And so it's nice working in the fitness industry. It's nice having the time to put aside to actually work out. So let's talk about this 10 a.m. workout, but let's also keep in mind that there's going to likely be this other person that's going to have to say, okay, I'm working out. It's 5.30 or it's 6 because they don't have any time. But I like like your question. I like like your question. Okay. Because this is what I'm always going to recommend to someone. This this can be considered more general because what we're trying to do before, especially some sort of higher heart rate uh, hit workout is we want to make sure someone has the fuel and the energy to actually work in that in that time span right so some people we just some people everybody needs to have the energy stored up within their muscles within their liver have some of that energy within their bloodstream as well and that's going to come from carbohydrate so if someone has not really eaten at all and they're coming in not fed well, then they're going to have low amounts of blood, of like blood sugar for sure, right? They're not going to be able to pull from their from their blood energy so quickly. And then even their liver and their muscle, they may end up already having started to pull some of the energy from there. And they're going to have a harder time working out. They may be able to get through the workout, but they're not really going to be able to have the most efficient workout most likely, okay. right? And they, what we kind of call, when someone walks into a workout and they are underfueled, Something that we like to call about, and there's a really cool studies on this because it becomes so psychological, but um, the idea of perceived exertion. So someone walking in and they're underfed or they're just not well-fed at all, they're going to feel like the workout is harder, right? Someone might end up work t- taking a 10 a.m. tone house class. They come in well-fed, the same exact workout the next day, they end up doing it. Well, they just, it just might feel harder for them to do. So that perceived exertion is definitely what we want to, you know, we won't really talk about that till the end, but we want to make sure someone is coming in well-fed so they have the energy stored up within their body to get through the workout and do it efficiently. So this person, um, I don't know when, this person woke up when? Well, I woke up at eight. You woke up at eight. Okay, that's what you said before, right? So you woke up at eight. You have two hours before you come into class. Yeah. Right? So I'm always going to recommend that someone be eating a larger meal about three to four hours before an intense activity. Are you able to do that by waking up at eight? No. No, you're not. So that's where I would say, oh, that's a hard thing to do. So we want to make sure that we're getting energy stored up within your muscles, your body, 
your liver, um, and that's what's going to happen when you eat dinner and you make sure that you're having some sort of carbohydrate within that, whether it be, I would say, more of a complex carbohydrate, complex starch, something like, you know, you have your brown rice, you might have your potato. Um, some people kind of like to have oats before they go to bed. That's the thing. Um, some people kind of have as like a dessert sometimes with some other stuff, obviously. But that's how you can definitely start to build up your energy store so that when you wake up, you're not thinking, I have to eat oatmeal and I have to eat this and that. And now you're having 700 calories to get you into your workout and you're going to end up possibly feeling a little bit uh, heavy, right? Can we talk, can we dive into that a little bit yeah. with like, um, wh- how long does it take for your body to even metabolize to where those carbohydrates are going to work for you? Right. And then, cause it might go into a little bit of carbo loading for athletes, right. Uh, which is, might be a separate question that I want to ask you, but it sounds like you're preparing the night before. If you know that you're going to have an intense workout the next day, right. And you're going to have an early wake up, then you're basically saying, I'm going to have carbs at night, right? You're going to have, I would say having starch at night, right? Oh, okay. So I don't want to, so whenever I'm talking about carbohydrates with someone, I will want to make sure that we are removing the idea of starch from carbohydrates. When you're having things like vegetables or fruit, those are all going to have carbohydrate as well. Okay. Right. So people then say, I don't eat any carbs. And I say, well, you, you are right. Cause even if you end up having something like, like carrots and like roasted carrots and Brussels sprouts and stuff like that, you can actually have a good amount in a very positive way. I'm saying this uh, cause people are very carb phobic, but you can, al- you can already have some carbohydrate within that vegetable, but it's not going to be really enough to really store and store, uh, optimal amounts within your liver and your muscles to pull from the next morning. Okay. So I am saying I would recommend that you having a workout around 10 a.m., you do get some starch in at night. I'm not asking you to have five plates full of starch. I'm asking you just to put, can you put in this, you know, those general recommendations of like the plate model? Yeah. Can you make sure at least half of your plate has some starch on it? Okay. I, I see the way you eat, right? And yeah. you end up having a good amount of starch within at least your lunches, your post-workout. I think that's what I see most yeah. of the time. And that's not a ton. Would you? No, it's no. not. It might be for me. I, I'm a big fan of red potatoes. I'll have them, you know, at night too. Um, I, I, I take this advice that if I have a morning workout, my evening meal will either consist of maybe a cup of brown rice or a red potato, for example. Sure. Um, and sometimes if I am a, feeling a little bit low with blood sugar levels, I will have like a, a cup of oatmeal with some honey as well like in the at morning night, at night. Oh, at night. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then, and then also I, I start my day with a carbohydrate in the morning. Got it. Um, but it sounds like we're, the advice is like plan ahead that if you're going to have a workout in the morning, you're kind of thinking ahead the night before. Right. So then the, the opposite is true that if you don't have that workout in the morning, you would adjust what you would eat in the evening. Is that fair to say as well? Would you take away that starch generally? Take away the starch in the evening in if the you evening. have a later workout. Yeah, if you had a later workout. It depends. There it is. <laughs> it's always going to depend because you still could be taking in starch at night and just a smaller amount of it or taking it in and that's fine, right? If you end up looking at how many calories and how much carbohydrate you can actually be maintained with, every meal can have some sort of starch in it. Okay. I'm not asking you to have these large, large amounts of it, but you can definitely have starch in every single meal. Let's say you're someone who's trying to get camera ready, though. That might be something where starches are a little bit lower. Or you're trying to find a calorie deficit to help yourself reduce body fat. Yeah. You may end up pulling those starches out of your meals or just reducing them 
further away from your workout. Yeah, I get that. Okay. I get that for the for aesthetic reasons and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Or for, let's say, let's not hide behind it, for health reasons. If someone has to lose uh, unwanted body fat because they it was going to benefit them to lose weight, yeah, I think that's fine. Okay. I just want to make sure we're saying that. Yeah. Okay. So then going back to, let's say, in the morning, what? how long does it take for you to metabolize? Like if I didn't have, say I ate light the evening before and I'm trying to, quote unquote, make up for it in the morning, right? So I eat at eight. Would you even feel the effects like if I had a cup of oatmeal going into that 10 a.m. workout and I had that at 8 a.m.? I mean, is it too late? Like how long does it take for your body to metabolize like those reserves basically? That's a really good question. So it's not too late is what I'll tell you. But if you're looking to make sure that you have your stored energy within your muscles and your liver, if you look at certain position papers from, say, the International Society of Sports Nutrition, They'll end up saying it's going to take about four hours to get that carbohydrate stored within your muscles okay. and within your liver. So we would want to make sure that someone's eating a larger meal, let's say a burrito or a burrito bowl. I love Mexican food one, but then it's Sounds also amazing. a great work. It just has a lot of great stuff in it, right? So if you end up having something like, like a breakfast burrito, let's say that four hours before you end up going into your class then you're going to be able to take that carbohydrate, that starch, and you're going to be able to store that within your muscles and your liver, and you can pull from that during your workout. Now, about two to three hours, I'd say closer to two hours before your workout, I'd want to make sure that someone's getting a little bit more carbohydrate and maybe a little bit of protein because that's going to support your workout. And usually as you end up getting your carbohydrate into your body closer to your workout, you're going to be able to use that energy that's going to be more within your blood because it's not going to be stored so much within your muscles or within your liver at that point. So as you're walking into your workout, you then have a little bit of that energy, that blood, that blood sugar is a little bit higher. You're going to be able to pull it right from your, from your blood. And then later in the workout, you can start pulling a lot more too from things like your liver and from your muscles. So is something as simple as a banana a good example of that, like a couple hours before? I would say with some protein, banana, maybe string cheese. Okay. Uh, maybe banana and maybe some Greek yogurt, banana, uh, cottage cheese, uh, banana, and even a hard-boiled egg, that okay. kind of thing. So where you're really doing things right then is that you're having your, you're timing out your larger meals so that you have carbohydrates in your system, some energy stored, being metabolized about four hours ahead of time, right? Maybe preparing the night before. And then you're also saying a couple hours before an intense workout, you're having a lighter carbohydrate and a little bit of protein, like something to pull from. Yeah. Coming in. Further away from your workout, larger the meal, higher fiber, higher protein, and can be higher fat. That's awesome. Closer to your workout, you want to start to go to moderate protein. Keep your carb your carb high, but the fiber a little bit lower, and the fat should be starting to get reduced. And then the last thing I'd say is before someone goes into a heavy workout is even within the hour, you can start to take in a faster digesting carbohydrate, no protein, no fat, very low fiber, if I didn't say that already. And that would be something like maybe a mouthful or two of like a sports drink, or maybe this is, uh, let's say someone has like two clementines before they jump into class, or if they want to have like half of a, half of a, like an oat bar. Right. That kind of thing would end up being beneficial for them. So now they're now they're fueling up for their workout. They can go in. So with the person who's going to be working out at 10, I'd want to say, okay, your dinner will have some sort of starch in it. 
that when you wake up at eight, I want you to be having something closer to that that moderate protein, lower fiber, uh, almost no fat type of snack, right? So that's going to be your Greek yogurt, maybe your banana. And then right before you go into class at 10, maybe at 930, you can take a little bit of a sports drink if you want to. If you feel like your energy is good, I wouldn't rec- I wouldn't force you to do that kind of thing. But for someone who maybe gets up in the morning and they get up at 8.30 and they're going to work at, at 9, it might benefit them just to have a little bit of carbohydrate that's very fast digesting. Okay. So uh, I love the practical advice too. Just some good recommendations for people. Um, I want to go back to carb loading. So sure. I've heard uh, this. I've heard that athletes can carb load a little bit different than say an untrained person. So I think when most people think of carb loading, they think about eating maybe pasta the day or the night before an event. But what I've heard and learned over time was that an athlete could actually do carb loading uh, staggered throughout a week. Is that true? So they have that more carb reserve ready for say an event on Saturday if they start on Monday? Joe, I always love your questions. Uh, They're always well formulated. (laughs) And I feel like sometimes I don't answer them directly. So I'm making sure I do that now. Okay. So you are asking me if an athlete versus someone who's untrained, right? Someone who's trained or untrained, if they end up storing or they're able to carb load differently or they do a carb load differently. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. My answer there is yes. Okay. But that's mainly because a trained muscle is going to be uh, able to take in and store more glycogen. So when you end up eating carbohydrate, it breaks down to glucose, so that goes into your muscle and your liver, and that gets stored in your muscle as glycogen. Okay? Yep. So a trained athlete, their muscles are able to store more of that, and so they will end up carb loading a lot differently. So let's say an untrained person, they find out three days before a marathon, they're going to run for it. Yeah. And then they say, I'm going to carb load and I'll be great. Well, their muscles can only take in so much. Gotcha. And so they're just going to overfeed themselves really. And they can have, you know, like indigestion. They can just, you know, they can feel heavy that day. It's not, it's not going to support them all that much. Okay. And what would you say to the trained person then going in just as an example? So Saturday you do have a marathon race, Mm -hmm. right? When would you start preparing yourself to be kind of a peak performance food wise? Like what would you, would you change how you eat throughout the week based on that? Yep. I would start to increase carbohydrate about five days before, like, and like latest would be three days before. Uh, You can definitely do it two days before too, but I would say if you're doing it optimally, you want to like somewhere between that, like three and five days. Some people just aren't able to start loading all that, um, all that easily throughout the day or the week, but it can definitely be good to kind of hit that maybe like four day mark before. Uh, And that's just increasing starch in each one of your meals is what I would start someone with. Yeah. Well, uh, I think that's amazing. And never have I heard a better example to be an athlete than to have more carbohydrates. Mm, Carbs are good. They're great. Give you energy. Is pizza, does pizza count? <laughs> does pizza have carbohydrate? Does it have starch? Of course it does. Yeah, of course. All right, great. So we agree. We love pizza. Where's your favorite <laughs> pizza? I know mine. It just changed actually. Actually did it. Yeah, no, it just changed. What is your front runner? So it's, it's this new pizza place. It's in Carroll Gardens. So it's like very specific to where I live, obviously. So I'm not thinking all that like like uh broad all right but this is place called fnf pizza it's over on court street it's delicious no, i haven't heard of it yeah no you have to come. it's it's like newer i think it's maybe only a year at most it um, can't be that good 
It's so good. I know you'd think that, but they, I I don't know their whole story, but they apparently like, they went to like Naples and all the other places. And I've been to Naples and I didn't think that Naples had the best pizza in the world, by the way. Hate me, fight me. But I do, (laughs) (laughs) but I totally thought that, um, like these, like the, like the people, if anyone knows like Frank's over in, um, over in Carroll Gardens, it's a, it's a very well-known Italian place. And so they brought, uh, they brought, they brought people to kind of the, from Italy to, to teach them how to actually make it there. Okay. Yeah. So it's good on its quality. Trained by the Italians. Yeah. My favorite spot is Giuliana's. It's, Where, in, it's oh. in Dumbo. Yeah. You know, have you been mm-hmm. there yet? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I used to live right around the corner. All right. Yeah. I, w- I would be there all the time if I lived near that place. I yeah. loved it. Um, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go to Giuliana's. Yes. And then we're going to go to FNF. Let's go. And we're going to rate it and we're going to see who we think we, we, I think we have to bring another, like a, like a neutral party with us too. Okay. Does that sound good? Yeah, it sounds And we like probably hit day. both of those up in a day as well. We 100% both, both get really busy though. can do this in a day. Yeah. Well, let's make this part of our job and then it'll get done. <laughs> too bad we can't expense anything though. <laughs> um, all right. So let's go into, let's go into the topic of supplements now. So, um, and some things that you can do pre-workout or as part of your pre just your pre-workout rituals in regards to okay. supplements. So there, sure. are, there are a few things that you've brought to my attention of recent that I've implemented. Um, I know, first of all, I want to be clear on when we recommend supplements because you, you've shown me a hierarchy pyramid of mm-hmm. when you should even consider them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, br- break that down for us real quick on, on how people should view pyramids and what they should look at first before we even get to that point. Yeah, th- I was going to bring this up regardless of if you did or not. So thank you. Uh, also means that what I say is getting into people's heads. Yes. Uh, but supplements are great. As long as we're doing it right, and there's so many things to it, and I love diving deep into it. We just presented, I just presented all this over um, uh, to an house to the coaches here just so that we can talk intelligently about supplementation because sometimes we are so... Um, we're either scared of them, right? Uh, or it's something that we maybe overuse and we see it all the time. And so we just want to make sure that we're talking about it well and not being scared of the topic, know who to refer to, what to what to listen for, right? So whenever I'm talking about supplementation, uh, let's say I'm working with a one-on-one client, I'm not bringing up supplementation at least for the first month and a half or two months because I'm trying to make sure that they have a foundation of nutrition because a supplement will do nothing for you unless your foundation of nutrition is there. And so the pyramid you're talking about, we're not, we're not talking about the food pyramid that was incredibly incorrect and lobbied for, but we're talking about the hierarchy of nutrition, which really has the base of everything with calories. If someone isn't eating enough calories, there's no supplement that's really going to end up supporting performance uh, like we think the supplement's going to help us with. So you have to make sure you're taking enough calories. And we see so many times that athletes who say, I have low energy, I can't build muscle, um, they're just not eating enough calories. Now, don't think that people aren't overeating either, but in our world, a lot of times people are under-fueling themselves. So we first want to make sure, are you actually eating enough? Then we want to make sure we look at something like macronutrients. So calories, number one. Number two, let's look at protein, let's look at carbohydrates, 
carbohydrate and let's look at fat. If someone's not eating enough carbohydrate, their energy can really be zapped and that's not going to really support their overall performance on the turf or anything they're really doing. If we want to be fast and explosive, we want to make sure that our brain is actually thinking and coordinating things with our body as we're actually moving. Well, carbohydrates does that for us. And you can look at some studies showing that the brain needs at least like 130 to 140 grams of carbohydrate to actually function. This is outside of the keto conversation. But that carbohydrate is going to be important for all that kind of stuff. Um, protein, right? Protein, a lot of people think they're eating more protein than they are. But unless someone is really starting to eat enough and give themselves what protein gives a body, they're not going to be really able to unlock things like muscle building or repair or maintenance even. So we want to make sure we're looking at that. Or even if someone's saying, you know what, I'm really hungry all the time, or maybe someone has some hormone dysfunction. If you're not eating enough fat, you're not going to be able to produce things like enough estrogen or testosterone or growth hormone. And that can really affect the way that your performance is or just your recovery from workouts too, right? So calories, macronutrients, then we want to look at micronutrients. Maybe someone has calories and macronutrients down but they're eating extremely low amounts of iron or their magnesium ends up being really low. Potassium is non-existent. Well, we want to look at those things so that they that they know the type of foods, right? Now we're getting into specific like colors of foods and recommending like maybe why beef is going to be important in someone's diet once or twice a week um, and that going extremely vegan could have its downfall unless it's done correctly. So micronutrients would be that third step. And then we would go into meal timing. If someone says you're the person who works out at 10 a.m., but you eat all of your calories at midnight, Right. Is that is that going to be supporting your overall goals? Well, right. no, because you're not going to be able to really store uh, those nutrients efficiently and pull from them. And so we want to look at that kind of thing. Lastly, now we talk about supplements. OK. OK. So that is that is the hierarchy of nutrition where we want to start looking at how to healthfully start speaking about nutrition. So if I'm working with someone one on one, unless I cross all of those things off, I'm not really recommend I'm not recommending a supplement. It, it makes sense to me. I mean, you're, it, it's kind of like an evolution of, of how you should look at food, I think. I mean, looking at this without even knowing what it was, it feels like this was maybe my journey of learning more about nutrition um, and training for more performance. Because in the beginning, it was just you're eating food. I don't know what it means. You're just eating food because you obviously need it to live. And then you get into macronutrients to understand, okay, if I have this much protein, this much carb, this much fat, you can start to transform your body a little bit, mm -hmm. right? Your micronutrients, you start to get into uh, what am I missing maybe for my diet, right? And then you're going into timing of eating, of mm -hmm. learning, all right, if I eat this like we just talked about four hours before a workout, this before, like after it starts to have impact and you're getting, I guess, a little bit more evolved in how you, how you eat. Yeah. The timing is a lot more about optimizing your performance. So someone might not be eating exactly like those times that I'm saying Yeah, and they can get through their workout and they're like, no, I'm, I'm definitely good, but there's a way you can optimize it and maybe feel even more energetic yeah. that you can recover better. Which we're going to talk about even further. I got a question for you about that as well, but now diving into supplements. So we have this foundation built first and foremost, right? We've done great with our nutrition and understanding of macros and all, all of those great things. We have our timing down supplements. Now there are a few things that you've recommended to me and go ahead and share what those might be. So let's, let's make sure we're on the same page. Okay. The three that I've recommended to you. I know we're going to be on the same page. Okay, cool. Uh, beetroot. Yep. Creatine. Yep. 
It, Eleni. That's it, baby. Okay, so those those are three that I've recommended to Joe, knowing that he's someone that is very intelligent about the way he eats, intelligent about the way that he is working out as well. So let's start let's start with pre workout and then maybe more intra workout stuff. All right, let's do it. So to get you ready for your workout, we can be taking something like beetroot extract. And what that beetroot is doing, you can get this from just like just having beets. So if you want to be giving your body more nitrate, nitrate is going to be something that unlocks your ability to utilize oxygen more efficiently. And so if you can utilize oxygen more efficiently as, as you end up breathing throughout your workout, you now are able to uh, energize your body more or less. Okay. And if that gets to your muscle, then you're going to be able to feel like the workout is a little bit easier. So the nitrate from something like beets or even beet greens can do that thing for you. Now, just having one beet won't really do that. It, yeah. could, it will give you nitrate, but you need to make sure you're taking in enough for it actually to have that ergogenic effect. Yeah. So that's why someone might end up having beet juice. But beet juice, you need to be having about 16 ounces before you end up going into a higher heart rate uh, kind of class. That's a lot. And I don't like beet juice. <laughs> <laughs> Most people don't. And, and that's the biggest issue. So um, there are companies out there that do juice these beets and they concentrate it. So if anyone's ever juiced 16 ounces of beets, it's going to take between six and eight beets. And so that's just messy, if anything. I always tell this story about somebody that I saw, I think on Instagram, that was like kind of got word of like beetroot extract. Like, no, 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 no. I'm just going to juice this myself. And I remember just, <laughs> I remember he dropped the beet into his juicer that he just bought for this whole thing. Yeah. And he dropped it in and he got like the littlest bit of juice. He's like, no. <laughs> and like all this like pulp came out and like just wasn't working for him. And he was just so surprised. I don't think he does it anymore. Um, but uh, so this 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 nitrate that you get from beets and things like beet greens, um, you can take in a large amount of it, about 16 ounces. That's a lot. But you can get it concentrated in juices. So there are certain uh, companies that will just concentrate this and you can get it in the little like shots um, or you can get it in a powder. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is what I've been using. So I've been using Beat Elite, which okay. you recommended, right? Yep. So, um, and that's not a plug, right? It's just something uh, that Ryan recommended to me and I've been using it. It tastes good. Um, it doesn't taste like beets, thank God. And I have noticed a difference. It's something that has just seemed to open up my lungs. I just don't feel as gas. So like in a, mm -hmm. in a conditioning work, I just feel like I can, um, you're still winded. It just feels like you're able to push to another level rather than having just your cardio restriction kind of hold you back mm -hmm. is what I've noticed. So, yeah, you're not, you're not having to kind of take as much of a break. You don't have to pull as much oxygen in your body's not working as hard. And now that leaves a lot more energy for you to actually get through your workout. Right. And that perceived exertion that I talked about before that ends up dropping. Yeah. So the cool, the cool thing about beet, um, beet, uh, powder or beet extract is that um, a lot of times you're thinking it was just for endurance athletes, and they're uh, just endurance athletes. But there is a lot of stuff coming out right now in terms of research that is pointing to benefits during even strength training. And so it's something we can recommend to many people. It's high in potassium that can help, um, uh, that can just help your body overall. So um, yeah, beet elite is, or just beetroot powder and beet juice, uh, beet shots. Okay. That's also great stuff. 
So then moving on, uh, you want to talk about creatine next? Yeah. So let's talk about these other things that aren't going to be coming from more whole foods at this point, right? So we're talking about supplements and let's make sure we're touching on safe supplements. So if someone gives me a supplement, they say, hey, is this a good thing? Number one, I want to make sure it's going to be safe. I then want to make sure that, it, that, there's, that there's some efficacy behind it, that it actually is going to do uh, what they think it's going to do. Um, and then we would look at just some other kind of things. Let's say if, you know, if it's going to give a competing message to someone else, right? If there is something like a supplement somebody gives me and uh, it's going to compete with beetroot powder, but it can maybe do the same kind of thing. Well, I'm not going to confuse someone's mind. Mm. Does, that, does, that, does that make sense yeah. there? So I just want to make sure whenever I'm kind of hearing about a new supplement though that's kind of those are the, the uh, steps that I kind of go through I'm also going to make sure that it's NSF certified or informed choice certified and that just means that there are certifications that are doing quality testing on the product possibly on the facility um, and that it can just be trusted because a lot of supplements really aren't regulated the industry isn't that regulated so someone in like a basement in uh, middle of the country could just be putting chalk powder in that's a tub, real. Yeah, yeah, and just sending it to you. Um, so that wouldn't really hurt someone, most likely. But uh, let's say if it's going to be laced with um, something else, right? So it could be laced with maybe a steroid. Maybe someone's taking like a B a B vitamin supplement, right? And uh, they take that, but you know, there's a company out there that you can't trust, and they were actually putting a little bit of a steroid in there. And then someone takes their B vitamin yeah. uh, pill, and they say, "Whoa, I just took B vitamin." Vitamins and look, I'm already growing muscle or I'm faster, or I'm stronger. And they say, I'll keep taking this. But if that's a professional athlete or that's an NCAA athlete and they end up testing positive during a blood test or, you know, uh, a piss test, then they are likely going to be disqualified. So we want to make sure that we're looking at these type of certifications. We can go into that another, another time, but yeah. just, um, it's a good thing to point out though. I, I wasn't <laughs> yeah. truly aware of that, uh, too much before. And it's basically saying that not all supplements are created equal, right? Like not all creatines are created equal. No protein powder is created equal. Look at where it's coming sure. from. Yeah. Right. Look at the source. And that's also why we we recently here at Tone House, we just partnered with Thorn. Uh, Thorn is an excellent company uh, in terms of testing and purity of supplements. Um, a lot of dietitians use them. Uh, we have basically uh, 12 of the U.S. national teams using um, their products. Um, and uh, yeah, we're glad to have them. Yeah. Anyway, not so much of not as much of a plug, but just really saying like we we trust it and we do what we talk about, right? Yeah. So two other two other supplements that can definitely help you um, more with recovery, possibly, or just even within your workout. You can end up taking something like creatine or beta alanine. I'm going to start with the fact that you can take them almost any time, and it does not really matter. You just want to make sure you're building up the concentration within your muscles, within your body. So there is kind of a loading effect that needs to happen, but you don't need to load these in terms of like a massive amount for the first week when you start taking them, which is what some people might end up hearing. Um, again, you people will argue till they're blue in the face about taking them before, after a workout. Just really, just make sure you're taking them. That's the most important thing. So creatine is something that we actually eat. Creatine is going to be in a lot of protein foods, a lot of animal proteins, right? So creatine is going to support your body by this. If you are lifting a heavy weight and you're asking your body to do work, you're pushing a heavy sled or you're benching 
as your muscles are basically pushing that weight away from you, you have ATP, these little balls of stored energy, more or less. And those things are going to be, uh, we're going to, our body's going to ask for those things to explode, release energy and help us do the work that we're asking it to do. So that's going to happen thousands of times a second, millions of times a second for you to now be releasing energy to push a heavy weight above your body or in front of you. Okay. So at some point, there's only a finite amount of those little balls of energy, that ATP, and those have to kind of come back together once they're kind of expended. So if you are pushing a sled or you're benching, you end up doing 10 reps and then uh, you fail on your 11th rep. Mm -hmm. And so then you need to think about, okay, I'm going to take a break. Everyone does that. You take a break and while your body is resting, those little balls of ATP are just pulled right back together. And what pulls those balls back together to get reused in your next set is phosphocreatine or creatine. And when we end up taking exogenous creatine in from a supplement, those little balls of energy are almost going to be restored a lot quicker, either during your workout or faster within that break. So you may feel that you can lift more weight. You feel that you can push more weight. Um, and you might find that, oh, wow, okay, actually, can you add some more weight to that bar or that sled? And then all, all, then all of a sudden, your body is doing more work because it's recovering a lot quicker within that moment. And that the fact that you're lifting more weight, that's associated with an increase in lean body mass or muscle. And that increase can be associated with a decrease in body fat. And that's how creatine is associated with higher amounts of muscle or lower amounts of body fat. Okay. But it helps your performance that way. Okay. That's amazing. Uh, I have noticed that. I've just never heard it explained that way before in, in okay. such detail. I, I, I don't know what I heard. Probably like everything else, you just get... Uh, just poorly educated on what these things are. I just thought creatine was something that uh, bodybuilders would use to to gain size. And you, I just, but you don't know why. You don't know how it works, why it works, why you need it. Um, but we've also heard, right? So Pratik Patel was on the show and also recommended creatine, but not not just for athletes, right? He was saying, correct me if I'm wrong, that there were some ties to uh, improvements in brain health yep. with creatine? Yeah. I don't know if you can call it like a nootropic at this point, but there is some really cutting edge research on how it can really um, prevent some brain injury, how it can help with re like return back to play. So after concussion in the NFL, that's more of what he was talking about as well. Um, but even outside of athletics, there's really great benefits in terms of brain health because your body is storing creatine not only in just your muscles but in different parts of your body your brain being one of them so uh when your body is able to do that it recovers better it works more efficiently um that's the biggest benefit um all right so let's let's move on to beta alanine then so um another thing that you've you've recommended um and i have been uh, personally using, uh, there's two forms of this, right? So there's like a raw kind of powder ish form, but there's also time released pills you could take for beta. Yeah. There's a correct? slow release form. Okay. Yep. So, uh, beta alanine is, um, it's an amino acid, right? There's 20 amino acids. Some are necessary to get through food and some are already what our body produces. Um, when we think about beta alanine, it, uh, it kind of links up with other amino acids in the body and creates something that is very beneficial for you to, uh, perform more efficiently. So we actually eat beta alanine. Uh, it's going to come from a lot of animal, 
uh, proteins most of the time. Um, but in your but in your body, you end up storing only so much beta alanine. Um, and uh, there's another amino acid called uh, histamine. And so histamine and beta alanine. Um, and you end up eating histamine too. Uh, a lot of things like fish that have high amounts of histamine. Um, but both of those um, amino acids are stored within your body. Histamine at very large levels and beta alanine at smaller levels than that. But when you combine beta alanine with the histamine, that creates carnosine. Carnosine is an, is an amino acid by itself, but that carnosine in your muscle is what actually works as a buffer. And that buffer actually absorbs things like higher, uh, it, it absorbs the hydrogen ions that your body creates when you are working out really heavy. So that's usually what people associate with, say, that lactic acid burn. Not really lactic acid, it's just an increase within hydrogen within your blood and your muscles, Okay. So that carnosine is what you, that end product is you're trying to increase within the body. Does that make sense? I'll be honest with you. Sometimes, Ryan, I'm just glad we're friends because you can just tell me to take beta alanine. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. let's just go. So you sure do know a lot of stuff about a lot of stuff. So let's say, okay, so the reason you would take beta alanine is for the end results of how it helps you reduce the lactic acid burn. So if you're running or you're pushing a sled and you and you and you want to stop because you feel that burn, well this 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 just delays that. So now you're able to do more work. There it is. And we call this segment dumb it down for Joe. <laughs> Thanks for that ride. <laughs> uh, but there's it just I you know it's um it's, it's, it's very interesting. I think that it can benefit so many people. We just have to know kind of what it's doing. And there are, there are certain things like when you end up taking carnosine by itself, right? It doesn't actually show us the results that it does when you take beta alanine as this kind of precursor to it. So someone says, well, you know, if that's what you want to make in the body, why don't we just supplement with it? Well, it's found not to actually produce the same results. So we don't do that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and that and that just comes down to making sure that you have a sports dietitian that's talking about these things in um, just where it's been studied. Right. Because there's so many things out there like BCAA, how uh, those branched chain amino acids, they're not that beneficial, especially if you're just eating enough protein. Um, things like collagen, I see people always trying to supplement with. But really, if you just eat enough protein and just eat an orange, you end up having vitamin C and you have your protein that creates collagen. So there's so many things you can just do so easily. And if anything, as long as it doesn't harm you, go ahead and take it. As long as it does not hurt your body in any way, I do not care if you have it. But once we start to be taking supplements that are unhealthy, that can kind of hurt our body, that's where I get the most worried, yeah. right? Um, if anything, I just like to make sure I can maybe save you some money. Well, that's another nice benefit as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But um, it's really, it's good advice. I've been my own guinea pig on these three supplements, right? Um, but, and, and I will say I, I've seen good results just in the, in the aspect of, you know, my performance has improved. I've seen strength strength gains, um, when weightlifting, I've also been able to push harder, um, in our conditioning classes, right? You can just kind of feel your body being able to be a little bit more explosive when, you know, you're at a point of fatigue. You just seem to be able to get into another gear that said, it's really only when the other aspects are really, uh, still at a hundred percent, like I'm eating, right. Just like what you said in the higher yeah. gear pyramid, right? Yeah. So even when I'm taking these things, if I haven't gotten enough sleep, if I'm not eating enough, right, or the timing of my meals are off, it's not like these supplements are saving your life, right? I think this is more like the cherry on top of once you get 
everything else foundationally in check, Mm -hmm. this seems to be able to just get you a little bit more over a hump. It seems to make you uh, be able to push because in the gym, you want to reach failure. You want to lift as much as you can, right? That's how progress is made. So, you know, all things being equal when all of this is locked in and then you have, uh, you know, all these, like these supplements by your side, you're able to get that extra rep. You're able to push a little bit heavier. So obviously that's going to lead to increased performance over time. Yeah. And without you doing that work and being so committed and having that habit, none of this would even happen. Right. That's why I even think in that pyramid we talked about lifestyle might actually be below that. Sleep is huge. It's enormous. Yeah, it cannot be understated, right? You call it, you call it this, the secret supplement, if anything, if you want to do, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah, I think it's, yeah, word is getting out about sleep. Sleep is on the rise, man. <laughs> People are talking more about it. Um, all right, so this anything else on supplements? Um, you know, I just want to make sure that we're maybe touching on some of the, um, and not to go into depth, but just whey protein um, and oh, maybe sure. multivitamins, right? Maybe specifically things like how magnesium could help, things um, like, yeah, yeah, just multivitamins maybe, just for things like coverage. Those are simple, and there might be reasons for you to take those, maybe reasons for you to take like a whey protein or even a casein protein. Um, but those those are kind of the the very safe ones. I think the ones we just talked about are the more supplementy ones, the things that are more interesting for some people. So, but I'm definitely not kind of just skimming over those other ones there. Right on. Okay. Um, so let's let's move on to something. Just a just a question that I had out of curiosity, because um, this is something that I'll hear somewhat, you know, every so often about fasting before a workout, right? Now we've talked a lot about timing and meals and having these resources available to you, but um, certain people will say that they just feel really great fasting before a workout, right? It's something that maybe has been part of their ritual for a long time um, and they swear by it. Um, I have noticed, I'm curious on just your thoughts on fasting before a workout, before I get to my second part of the question. Do you have thoughts on that? Like, is that, is that something that does work for people? Is it is something that you would recommend? It would depend on how how long someone's fasting before a workout and what kind of workout they're doing. If someone's going to go into a 15, 20, 25 minute run, I'm fine with it. Okay. If someone's going to go lift, low heart rate, not really doing that much, I probably don't have a problem with it. If someone's coming to Tone House or doing a 55, 60 minute high heart rate class where you're looking to really be explosive and fast and strong, I'm not going to recommend it. So you might be able to get through that workout, but I, the question is always, but did you perform at a high level? For sure. Yeah. Right? Per- performance will suffer most likely. And so someone who gets used to that kind of thing, I think I'm jumping ahead to one of your questions 100%. here. Chronic underfueling, right? Yep. Can you even feel the difference? Yeah. So some, so somebody, you know, you, let's say that you are stuck in the woods and you're being chased by something. Your body's going to be able to perform. Your body can run away. Your body can fight off a bear that's attacking you, or, you know, you can build yourself a hut because you have to now stay safe. (laughs) So your body's able to do things because even if you're not eating, right, your body's going to be able to recruit energy. So it's not as if you're not going to be able to get through your workout. You just likely won't perform at your best. That's the only thing. 
I just envision a bear chasing me and my response being building a hut. <laughs> <laughs> the bear will wait. Yeah, like hold <laughs> you can hide in it. I'm building that habitat <laughs> to keep myself safe. Um, I, I'm with you. I, th- I feel like this is just the difference between surviving versus thriving kind of mentality or, oh, I love or, that. or way of feeling. Because when I do get this question or somebody tells me, you know, I, I fast or I, I maybe eat only six hours before a workout, I feel like it's a long time. There can be a gap. They're like, I won't have a meal. Uh, five hours is the soonest that I'll eat before a workout. And they've been doing it for years. So I'm always like, do they know what it feels like to have the energy in a lifting session, right? Can they even compare contrast or they have gotten so used to this feeling that they think that it's normal, right? So I, that's, that's so, uh, that's so important. Um, what am I trying to say here? I've worked with so many athletes where we've maybe broke them from their fear of carbohydrate and they finally start eating some. And again, I'm not talking about gobs of like just starch all the time. I'm just talking about before you come in, did you have even like a quarter of a cup of something like oatmeal? That's pretty tiny. Yeah. Or you have maybe a banana or you do try a little bit of a sports drink. It's not until we actually break someone of that fear that they're like, whoa, that's what energy is. Oh, I get it. So maybe before your next high heart rate workout, if you haven't been eating before, why don't you try a little bit? Maybe it's a quarter of an oat bar. Maybe it's going to be you know a little piece of a fruit, or um, say even a Greek yogurt with a little bit of a of like a the fruit in there. But just making sure you have something before you come in, and just see what it does for you. Is there a negative effect to it? Start small and work your way up. Yeah. I think it goes back to experimenting and learning what your body responds to, right? We've talked about this before. I think it's, it's if you've been doing, um, if you've been fasting uh, for a long time, you know, maybe try something else to see how your body responds. See if you perform better um, in your in your lifts and in your training. I love that thriving or surviving thing. That was really good. Thank you. Yeah. Hashtag survive thrive. <laughs> Let's go into. Um, transitioning into post-workout fuel now. Yeah. So, um, we've had this conversation as well about, um, really any, any session, whether it be lifting or even a conditioning workout, you have preached something, uh, that has stuck with me about the one to one ratio of refueling right uh, pretty much immediately after your training session, which is a one to one ratio of, of carbon protein. Sure. Right. Um, and this is within a window of 45 minutes-ish, an hour? It, so what I would tell someone to do is really eat as soon after your workout as possible. That is going to reduce the incidence of, uh, of muscle soreness, that DOMS, right? The uh, late onset muscle soreness. Yep. So if you can eat directly after your workout, do it. If you can't eat after your workout, directly after your workout, can you eat within two hours? Then do it that way. Okay. People get lost within this uh, anabolic window. They get lost within this, like, you know, you're, it's a wasted workout unless you eat within this amount of time. Yeah. It is something where your your body ends up recovering. Recovery lasts for like 48 hours. So your body's going to continue to recover. You don't just lose the opportunity to do it. So just it's just the sooner you eat, the sooner you give your muscles things that it's just lost, the sooner you give it what it needs to recover, the less incidence of soreness you'll have, and the sooner you can get back into your workouts, right? Well, it makes sense. You just broke your body down, and now 
you want to give it something to allow yourself to repair. For sure. And not only that, it can end up making you feel better throughout the rest of the day. So if you go through, you know, 55, 60 minute class, high heart rate where you've maybe expended, you've used almost all of your carbohydrate stores and you go to work and your blood sugar is low, you're going to feel like shit. Very fatigued. You might be moody. You might end up being tired at your desk. And that can be really frustrating for someone. Um, and if that continues exactly. long enough, that can affect more things, say like even gastrointestinal issues. It can affect um, your coordination. It can affect things just like your overall processing. So you don't want to you don't want to leave your body uh, under fueled after a workout for too long. So what I would recommend is eat as soon after as you possibly can. What should you focus on? Well, focus on protein. Protein should be coming in to help repair your muscles. Uh, we want to make sure you get uh, carbohydrate in to help refuel your muscles. And then I'm also going to say to get some type of liquid and water, right? To make sure that you are going to rehydrate your muscles because you've likely sweat out. Yeah, you just lost a, a bunch, right? Yeah. And the more that you've sweat out, the more you got to replace. Yeah. So those three R's, I think people focus on sometimes the, um, the repair, the refuel, and the rehydrate. That's a, that's a quick thing you can kind of think about. Now, how much? So if someone says, well, I'm going to eat a little morsel of chicken and a grape. Okay, was that enough? Well, probably not. So one thing, this one-to-one rule, is uh, it's something that can give you a guideline in terms of how to help yourself recover. Basically means that if you have 30 grams of, carbohy- uh, 30 grams of protein, because uh, a lot of like um, maybe a drink or a bar might have like 30 grams, uh, maybe more like 20 grams, then you would want to have at least, say, 20 or 30 grams of carbohydrate. And that's that one-to-one ratio. Depending on the athlete, they may end up being something like one to two or one to three. They can't even go higher than that depending on how much energy that they might need to replace before they go into their next workout. Okay. So starting with one-to-one is the most important thing. Gotcha. That's what I would make sure okay. someone's doing. Good guideline. Uh, your body, there are some things coming out of the ISSN that will tell you that your muscles probably want to get about, I'm going to just give this a rough estimate. Usually it's 0.4 grams of protein per kilo, or I think it's like one, uh, it's 0.18 grams of protein per pound after a workout. You can round that to maybe 0.2. Okay. If you want to. Anyway, a lot of people will be just fine getting about 25 to 35 grams of protein after a workout. Okay. So just keep that in mind, uh, which is why here I want to make sure that we have, we have a 26 gram protein drink and then we have a 42 gram protein drink because we have larger individuals and we have smaller individuals. So that will give people most of what they need. That's their protein. Then we want to make sure they're going to be getting their carbohydrate in to make sure that they're going to be replacing that energy that they just took out so they could have something here as simple as a as a tart cherry juice, which can help reduce inflammation after a workout as well. Or what you can do is if you don't want to be drinking something, you can have a bar. A bar could be something where it's like 20 grams of protein. Make sure you're going to have enough carbohydrate in there. Um, uh, or you can move on just eating a meal. So, but then you've also recommended to me... Um, this is something you do for immediate refueling, but then, right. We've also talked about, but then also have your meal after this. Yeah. Sure. Yep. Which is something that I've been doing, right? Yeah. You, so you repair, right. Maybe through a protein drink and, and a simple carb, but then maybe an hour or two, even after that, I'll have 
what my normal meal would consist of. Yeah, I would say a good uh, thing to follow here is eating as soon after a workout and then making sure eating, you know, within three to four hours after that, uh, that post-workout. Yeah. So what about not having an appetite? Yeah. Because this happens, right? Like it even happened to me today, right? Mm -hmm. Where you have an intense workout, you just get done with it, you've exhausted and you just don't have a taste for anything, Mm -hmm. right? So, but you know, you know that you need to repair and you're like, I know that I should eat something, have something to eat. Yeah. Um, But you're just not craving anything. I mean, what, what are some best practices in that, in that scenario? Yeah. I would want to make sure someone doesn't have anxiety right away and be like, oh man, it's been an hour and I'm, I'm not hungry. Well, it's okay. You can wait a little bit longer if you need to. But again, the faster you get that nutrition in, uh, the the more the more optimal your recovery is going to be. So um, although you're not hungry, which is likely going to be because when you are working out, you've now basically asked all your you asked your body to kind of like shunt all of your blood away from things that aren't really necessary, like digestion. So there's a lot of blood that's being focused into your into your brain, into your muscles, into your extremities, and it's not going to be so much around your stomach, and that can affect the way that you're going to be hungry or not. That's interesting. But you still end up needing to eat something. So if you're not going to have a burrito right after then what can be really easy maybe to drink something which is Uh, why those nutrition drinks are there right those recovery drinks are there the other reason why those recovery drinks are there is because of what's in them so a lot of the dairy based type of drinks they end up being very high in um, in whey protein and also leucine. So whey, whey protein specifically is, um, is usually isolated from other dairy sources. There are two, there's usually two kinds of proteins. There's whey and casein. But whey, whey protein is digested rapidly within your body and it's absorbed into your muscles uh, rapidly as well. And so the faster you can get nutrition into your muscles, the better your recovery and more optimal your recovery can possibly be, which is why people focus on whey protein. It doesn't mean that plant proteins aren't good. It just means that they are absorbed quicker. The other thing is that your whey proteins, your dairy ends up being higher in leucine, which is another amino acid. That's really what kicks off the muscle repair, the muscle building process. And so it doesn't mean that there's not other uh, plant proteins that you can't be taking in. It doesn't mean that uh, plant proteins are void of leucine. It just means that whey protein is optimal. So someone looks at me, they say, I don't want dairy. I don't want to have whey. I say, mm-hmm. fine, okay, let's let's focus on these, right? You can end up having um, something that's more soy-based if you want to. I don't want to have soy. Okay, let's look at something that's going to be more of a uh, kind of made from uh, maybe chia seeds or brown rice or... Um, um, kind of blanking right now. Uh, we'll go with brown rice. There's, uh, pumpkin seed is kind of a new one right now um, that people a lot of people are using. Uh, so yeah, I feel like we're gonna need to have a conversation about the plant base first versus whey. Sure, that that would be that would be interesting one because you've changed my perspective on that as well. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's a good, but it needs to have a standalone conversation. I think. Okay. Um, but um, I will say uh, that when I do face that situation where I just don't have an appetite, I do I do tend to find that if I drink something, it, it tends to be I, I I opt for a shake. It seems to be easier. You can just kind of slam it, and it doesn't really feel like a meal. It just feels like you're doing what you need to do to fuel. Yeah, and for me, sometimes I'm like, okay, I got it done. It kind of takes it takes like it does. Uh, it less, it's just less brain power, and it works. But if someone walks out of here and they and they and they want to go get a burrito or get a sandwich, by all means, go eat your food. That's perfectly okay. Is it optimal? It's probably not optimal, but 
you, like we're not working with like not everyone who comes here is a professional athlete. It's fine. If you feel like just eating food, go eat food. That's usually a big argument. Yeah. Someone's like, why can't I just eat food? I'm like, go eat food. Go like, eat it. I'm go. not stopping you. Do it. Yeah. Okay. Well, these, I mean, these are awesome tips, man. I've never heard until again, we, we started talking like all of this explained so clearly. Uh, and, and it sounds so simple now that we've kind of just put this out. And that's really why I wanted to share this and have this episode to just summarize these things. Cause we, we get asked the question again, like all the time. Um, and before you and I had these conversations, a lot of this was a guessing game for me. It was stuff that I was like exploring and testing on myself of how do I feel? How do I respond? Mm -hmm. Cause I just felt like I couldn't get a clear answer on this stuff for the longest time. Like in my twenties, especially I'm looking online for advice and everybody has some opinion on anything. And it felt like it was supplement heavy or this type of pre-workout or this is going to get you hyped and you need this to get the shakes and this is going to get you amped up. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, Oh my God, like it doesn't, it doesn't seem like a, a good way to do it. it. Didn't feel right. Um, but th this feels like a very, um, just responsible, just real approach. So, uh, appreciate your wealth of knowledge, sir. Yeah, for sure. I was just yeah. thinking about beta alanine for a second. We didn't talk about the slow release and the, um, and kind of the quick release kind of stuff. It's okay. We don't have to right now. Okay. It just is remembering about it. Um, we can always come back to another time. Well, I mean, we might as well dive into it real quick because I've done both. I've yeah. done both. Okay. Um, one of the biggest differences that I noticed was really just the feeling, right? The quick release. Yeah. I felt like I got, um, it gives you a sensation of like a tingle, right? Like yeah. in, in your body. Uh, which I kind gosh, of enjoy. Yeah. I think some people yeah. don't like that, but yeah. it just gave you a little tingling sensation Yeah. versus when I take the slow release, you just don't, I don't, you don't feel that. It's just, it just seems to be in your system and not something that you notice. Yeah. It's something that a lot of people might kind of feel and they feel like it's not uh, so uh, much of a problem, but it does scare some people. Most of the time you're going to be getting this. Um, oh, good. I was just searching for the word. I always lose this, but I just remembered it. Uh, Parathesia is what it's was what it's called. So what it's doing is it's actually exciting things like the nerves that are going to be usually within your hands or I your do arms. Feel excited. Your your <laughs> your neck, your face, right? So some people will be tingled, or they'll end up feeling like it's burning. Hundred percent. I feel yeah. it like in the lips. Okay. Yeah. Everyone's a little bit different that yeah. way. Uh, so you end up taking that. So a lot of times you'll get this if you're having a, um, like a pre-workout drink or a powder yeah. because it's hitting your body so, so fast. But when you end up having something like beta alanine, that's going to be slow release. It's doing exactly what that says. It's just a slow release formula. It's not going to be hitting your body so fast. It's not going to overwhelm things. So you don't really feel that parathesia, that parathesia so much. Um, and you end up being in, uh, I guess a more controlled, like, you know, it's not hitting your body too hard. I guess that's kind of just yeah. a preference. I actually kind of like the feeling. I feel like most people do a pre-workout. What, what, you know, like, um, uh, that feeling of like, you know, that extra bolt of energy yeah. pre-workout yeah. powders that people take yeah. right without saying names of some of them. Um, this gave me that somewhat of a feeling of getting a little bit amped up without, I think the, maybe the negative effects that some of these other, uh, pre-workouts may have. Um, at sure. least in my opinion. And, and, and if you want to have an energetic feeling going into a workout, mm -hmm. um, I really just do take coffee and we've talked about that as well. Caffeine's Co a caffeine, huge conversation. Yeah. Black coffee straight up. I've done that for years. Yeah. I was like, this doesn't make sense to me. Why do I have to take powders? Yeah. 
I'm just going to have a cup of coffee before I go into the gym and lift. Yeah, because coffee is so beneficial. But when you take it in the wrong form, some things like green tea uh, extract, that's something that's going to be in a lot of pre-workouts that can end up being toxic to the liver in larger amounts. I'd love to even have just for my own knowledge, I'd love to have someone come in here and actually talk about coffee in a very intelligent way. I want to learn because I've I've heard certain things around coffee, like it's only sourced from like three places in the world. Let's get like a roast master. That'd be so cool. And then we can talk about caffeine then tie it really back to sports nutrition right. talk back to, back to performance let's and learn stuff. about coffee beans that'd be so cool wouldn't it yeah it would actually yeah how do we how do we drink your product what would you recommend i know nothing about coffee other than i like it okay <laughs> and i like the light roast apparently light roast has more caffeine more caffeine yeah which is what i've heard yeah i never looked into it yeah well, th- I think we just found a new episode. This is the new episode. <laughs> this is good. Well, Ryan, I appreciate it. Th- thanks so much for the knowledge, man. This has helped me out a bunch. I hope it helps you guys out a lot. Um, you know, uh, th- this was definitely a very, I think, a heavy information episode. There's a lot of great things in here. So um, uh, hopefully some tips that you guys can and put into your routine uh, immediately. Uh, I think a lot of this stuff is just some really good practices to follow. So um, thank you, Ryan. Again, appreciate it. So glad. So glad to be here as usual. Episode 13 in the books, my man. Boom. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Breakdown. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you did receive some value from this episode, please remember to share with a friend, spread the word, and help us grow this podcast as we look to bring on even more guests onto the show and spread the mission of this podcast, which is bringing some clarity in this fitness industry and keep providing you guys with quality content. So please leave a review, a comment, subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, all the other platforms. Platforms. And until next time, guys, stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you next time.